Welcome to Love at First Science, the podcast designed to dig deep into neuroscience, the human body, and anatomy. My name is Celeste. I'm a physio, and I teach anatomy to yoga teachers. And this podcast is an archive of the lessons I've learned along the way in my attempt to bring a more science-based approach into the yoga world. Just a quick reminder that I don't run any ads, so this podcast can only grow with your support. If you learned something new that you found useful, please do rate and review the podcast. And if you think the content can help someone get out of pain, improve their life, move without injuries, or even just feel more inspired, please share it with them. It would mean the absolute world to me, and you never know, we just might help elevate our community along the way. Today's guest is Jenna Lesser. Jenna is a real, she's just such a brilliant human being. She wrote to me on Instagram after I posted about bone health and <laughs> I bowed to her greatness because after interviewing her, I realized just how little I knew and me putting up my little bone health post, honestly, I mean, it wasn't completely inaccurate, but listening to her talk about how cells such as osteocytes function inside your bones to make them harder and more resilient and what we need to do to actually increase their function, it was so humbling. And the reason I really like her is not only is she this brilliant academic human who just totally gets the world of bone health, but she's so brilliant at explaining things. She's also a former gymnast, a dancer, a pole vaulter, field hockey player, and she's even completed her 200-hour yoga teacher training. So a lot of respect for her. Very grateful she's come on the show. Let's listen to Jenna Lesser. This episode has been broken up into two parts, and this is your part one. I am so grateful to Jenna Lesser for coming on Love at First Science. This incredible woman reached out to me on Instagram after I did a post about bones and bone density, and she was like, <laughs> I know a thing or two about this. And I was like, you have to come on Love at First Science. Like, I need you. And she's like, yeah, but I'm like academic. I'm not like a big platform person. I was like, even better. Like, I just want clever people who got cool stuff to share. So welcome, Jenna, to Love at First Science. Thank you so much, Celeste. I've been following your account for some time now, and I've taken some of your workshops as well. I've really enjoyed listening to this podcast series. So it is my absolute pleasure to be a guest today. Well, I've got goosebumps you even just saying that because I always imagine no one out there is listening, but I suppose I need to change my limiting beliefs around the podcast. So thanks for <laughs> saying that. I am I certainly have learned a lot with all the different guests and I'm excited to talk to you to learn more about bone density. Before mm -hmm. we get into that, can you just give everyone a brief introduction about you and how you got into this interesting field? Absolutely. So I graduated from Johns Hopkins University in, with a degree in biology and I was really always fascinated by science, um, particularly biological sciences. And after I graduated, I was a technician in a lab that did neurogastroenterology. So I actually just listened to that segment of your podcast series and thoroughly enjoyed it because I knew a little bit of, a little bit about that. Um, and I decided that that wasn't enough for me. I still wanted to learn more. So I applied to a PhD program. And I'm earning a PhD in molecular medicine with a focus in cellular and um, molecular physiology. And this is at the University of Maryland in Baltimore. So when I first started my program, I was really open to learning about anything. And with that kind of mindset, you end up in really cool places. And the skeleton is not something that most people think about when they go into research. Everybody wants to learn about cancer, but 
everybody has bones. So I think it's a really neat field to work in. And um, I'm really excited to share what I know I've been learning the past couple of years with you today. I know, and not just a couple of years. I mean, you've been in education now for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And actually, we were just <laughs> off mic having a quick chat about uh, Jenna very openly said to me, you know, it's a bit scary because, uh, you know, you know, when you're in studying something like a PhD, which, by the way, we all bow to your greatness. <laughs> but when you're in it, you don't realize how great you are, because obviously people above you are like, you know, you're training, you're training, you're training. So your bravery to come on here and share your knowledge is so important to us because we I don't have access to a lot of people with your knowledge. So thank you. Thank you so much. It definitely boosts my confidence to hear that. Thank you. Okay, cool. So let's get into it. First of all, bone density is not something everyone always thinks about as being important. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I wanted to first ask you about bone density itself and how we can actually get it better. But can you just give me like a little synopsis? Like, why should we be learning about bone density? Absolutely. So your bones serve many functions. They help you to protect your internal organs. They house your entire system for um, creating new blood. It's also really important um, to, to create your... Um, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, you're, so you're creating new blood in there. You also um, have some immune cells that are created in your bone marrow as well. But in addition to this, there's locomotion. So your muscles pull on your bones um, to get you to move. You also need to be able to resist fracture. We do stuff mm -hmm. where um, you're, you, you might have an impact that you need to resist fracture. And so particularly when you get older, you need to be able to resist fracture um, when you fall. And a lot of people, my grandmother including, um, has has become um or had she had a hip fracture and she she fell and and when you fracture um at that age so you know you're talking about 70 plus um honestly one in three people live past the next 12 months so oh it's serious God. it is super serious and so um this is something that's really important because we tend to think about this secondary to um to, to men, like this is a women's problem because women become osteoporotic, but it's not necessarily true. Everybody can lose bone mass. Um, in fact, we all do at the same rate. Unfortunately, women, when we go through menopause, have a little bit of an increased rate during that time of bone loss. And then it kind of normalizes back to that regular rate where we're all losing bone at the same time. So wow. ultimately um, we need to be able to function in this world. We need to resist breaking bones. And so um, that's really why it's important to study our bone mass. I know. And this was what my post was about. When you reached out to me, I was mm -hmm. like, this amazing person has read my post. She knows so much about <laughs> bone stuff. And I had a little nervous moment where I was like, I hope I said everything correctly. But then I was like, no, what? You know what? I just need to bring her in and she needs to educate us. So yeah. let's start at the beginning. Like, how do we increase bone density? Let's talk about that. Sure. So everybody's bone density increases with when you're a child. So you're growing. So your bone density is going up. For people who are athletic and doing sports, your bones are going to adapt to those forces that are being experienced in whatever sport you're doing. So for example, I was a gymnast. So when I was doing a tumbling routine or vault or whatever the case was, 
that pressure on my wrists was causing my bones to say, hey, we need to reinforce this area a little bit more because this is something we're experiencing all the time. Additionally, your bones um, continue to uh, increase their bone mass until a bit a peak of 30 years old. So at 30, you're at the most bone mass you're going to have. Damn it. And <laughs> I know, I'm 39. Right? I'm like, no, it's really sad. <laughs> I turn, I turned 30 in about two weeks. And so I'm like, oh no, this is my last chance. Um, and so it's, so everybody from there goes down, goes downhill. But what it's, what's important to know is your absolute bone mass is what's most important. So if you are able to accrue bone mass early, then when you lose at that rate, same rate as everybody else, if you don't dip below the threshold that's set for osteoporosis, then you're good to go because you're declining, but you're never going to cross that, that line. Um, other ways that we can improve bone mass is through exercise and diet. Um, these factors are really important because your bones are made of organic components like proteins and extracellular stuff and the actual cells that reside there, but they're also made of an inorganic component. And this includes minerals, calcium, phosphate. So having a really um, healthy kind of supply of these things helps you to build bone as well. Um, I think that to go even deeper, smaller, the scale that I work at is, um, is are the cell types of bones that achieve this. And so we have on the outside of our bones, we have a cell type called an osteoblast. And these cells are on demand. When you do something that your body's like, hey, I, I think we're this this feels a little weak in this area. I think we should kind of buff this up so that we don't fracture here. Then they turn on. And there's lots and lots of signaling that happens to, to do this, but they turn on and they start to deposit this, this matrix down. Um, the cells that chew up bone and, and cause us to lose bone mass over the duration of our adult lives are osteoclasts. And these bones are really similar to um, immune cells, uh, to macrophages. And these so cells, they, these, so sorry, these cells are similar to immune cells. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. They're, they're, yeah. These cells are similar to immune cells. So they, they respond to um, inflammation. So this is mm -hmm. something that as we get older, we want to kind of mitigate the inflammation status of our body because these signals wow. kind of almost crosstalk and say, Hey, maybe we should dissolve bone here. And it's like, mm, I don't know if we should, but your body's getting that signal and it's confused. So they chew up the bones. Um, I will say it's not always bad. You do need to have some level of chewing up bone in order to put down new bone. So um, don't be afraid of your osteoclasts is, is that message. Um, and then the final component, and this is the cell type that's near and dear to my heart are osteocytes. And osteocytes are really interesting because they reside in the bone itself. So not in the bone marrow cavity. They're like in that hard white thing that you're picturing when you think of a bone. And so it's really amazing because I think most of us have this idea that your bones are, are static and they don't do anything, but this isn't true. Um, they have cells that reside there and these osteocytes have number of signaling pathways that tell the osteoblasts to turn on or off and to turn osteoclasts to turn on or off. So they're in charge in some yes. ways. 
Wow. Yes, definitely. And so, um, what's really amazing is, is our, our system is so dynamic that every 10 years, you pretty much have a new skeleton. It's just incredible. So, yeah. So every, so about 10% of your skeleton gets um, remodeled per year. And so you could think about, you know, all right, I'm going to be 30. That's my new skeleton. Let's go for the next decade. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's a really dynamic process. And um, I think that it's something that, again, when, when I, before I came into this field, I didn't even think about bones beyond, oh, I broke it and now it needs to heal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I th the first time I ever thought about bones, I was actually quite small because my grandma had osteoporosis and mm -hmm. quite severe. Mm. And I just remember seeing her as this very frail person and me feeling like, I don't want to be that. But I, I also recognized that I had a lot of her family traits. I mm -hmm. was built like her. I was small. I had the similar hair, similar eyes. And I was mm -hmm. like, there's a very high chance. I have inherited this, uh, these genes. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the said principle. Yeah. The said principle, which I'll just define for the listeners. If you haven't heard of it, it, it spells out S-A-I-D and it's the specific adaptation to impose demands. And the reason I wanted to ask Jenna to give us her take on this is because in the yoga world, especially, there's a lot of fear mongering oh, you should not like do an upward dog that will compress your bones and you will, you know, herniate your discs. Or um, you shouldn't go from warrior one to warrior two because you'll grind away the top of your hip socket. Like there's all this ridiculous. <laughs> and I honestly, Jenna, I want to cry when I hear these things because it's putting so much fear into people. They're, they're literally are either staying in a linear plane or a, a coronal plane. Like it's frontal or coronal, like that's it. Like the, yeah. those are the two planes people are moving in because you can never go from one to the other mm -hmm. or you're going to grind away your hip. Please educate us. I've definitely heard that messaging as well when I went through my teacher training. So I'm on board with you. Um, I think that osteo osteoporosis is, is something that's multifactorial. So there are components where it's very real to feel fear. My grandmother had it, your grandmother had it, um, to, to feel like that could be you. Um, but you also have to consider what have you done in your life leading up to that point that maybe was different. So maybe you've been really active since childhood and your bone mass, you started with a much higher peak than your grandma did. So you're going to lose, but you're not going to fall below that threshold. Um, I would say that there was a study in, um, Let's see, what was, was that year? In 2016, that was it. A study in 2016 where they had people um, of an average age, men and women, average age of about 68 years old, doing 12 minutes of yoga daily for two years. And they did a before and after reading of their bone mineral density. And people who were doing the yoga improved their bone mass. So I don't think that we should be afraid. I think that we... Um, it may not be the thing that causes bone to form for everyone. And that's going to be really individual depending on what your activity history is. And, and with the said principle, um, I think something that I took away from it is it seems really similar to what we're calling in our system and in the skeleton, the homeostatic set point. Mm. And what I mean by this is 
you set your regular bone mass based off of the activities and the demands you put on it. And so if I'm walking daily, then my body's going to adapt to the walking. And it's not going to be building bone necessarily, but I'm also not necessarily going to be losing bone. Mm. It's what we're calling this lazy zone. And in the lazy zone, you're just maintaining because it takes a lot of energy to build new bone. And if I'm not doing anything that might cause me to fracture or telling my bones that, hey, if we don't bolster this area, you're going to fracture, then, you know, not a big deal. We're just going to hang out and maintain. Hey, my loves, real quick, if you are hypermobile, be sure to check out my book, Too Flexible to Feel Good, where my co-author and I share the latest signs on how to help a bendy body feel awesome. If you already have the book, please do leave it an Amazon review. It helps more than you could ever know, and it just might help someone else feel a bit more stable in their bodies. The book is called Too Flexible to Feel Good, and you can get it from most online retailers. For someone who their homeostatic set point or that lazy zone is adapted to being a couch potato, then that's going to be what their normal is. And so when they get up and walk, they may actually be building a little bit of bone mass there. For somebody who is in a contact sport or high impact training, they're going to have a much higher threshold because that impact, that jumping, that landing is going to be stimulating your bones to resist fracture under those movements. And so I would say if there's a caution, it would be um, pro be progressive in your movements. And I think this is a message that um, I've seen you and others share regarding progressive training. So you have to um, continue to push the envelope forward, but take your time. Because mm -hmm. I think if we go a little too soon, your body's not adapted to it yet. So you could end up with what's um, you know common are stress fractures. So you're doing too much too soon. You haven't given your body the time to adapt, build the bone, and then move on from that. So you're kind of going too much too soon. But also if we don't push ourselves further down that road, then we're never going to, um, we're not, we're not really going to continue to push ourselves to, to build. So we're gonna get stuck in our new lazy zone. Does that make sense? That makes such good sense. I was just actually thinking, my goodness, you explain things so well. And just to reiterate for people listening. So if we go from warrior one to warrior two, that's a very basic movement. Mm -hmm. That's not gonna grind away the top of the hip joint. Probably not, no. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that would, that would be, I mean, you would probably, the only thing I could think of there is if you are already um, arth you know, someone who has arthritis and maybe you have some bony spurs or some irregular irregularities to your collagen at the top of your bone, then maybe you would create some sort of problem, but you should be under the care of a physician during that time anyhow. Yeah, um, and it's very rare. I mean, most people should be able to do that movement. And if anything, yes. it should be a really healthy load because I'm thinking even the movement of being in a warrior three to open to a half moon pose mm -hmm. that's like a big no-no for some schools <laughs> some people are like oh my god what are you doing you know quickly come down and I'm like oh this is like how you get on a horse like this should be quite yeah. functional yeah your I mean your your hip joint is designed to do so many ranges of motion. There's there's um, flexion, extension, internal, external rotation, adduction, and 
um, abduction. So any combination of those is safe for your hip to do. It's designed to do that. So I don't really understand the messaging behind um, not wanting to utilize its range of function. Yeah. And especially because of what you've spoken about, can you remind me what your terminology for the said principle was? Yeah. So homeostatic set point. Okay. I need to write this down because this is very, this is very cool. Homeostatic set point. Okay. I need, I need this in my life because this is so, (laughs) it's such a beautiful language to describe the same thing, but I just, yeah, the way you explained it, it was great. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting too, because, um, one homeos like one thing that all of us are adapted to is gravity that is a force on our body daily that we're resisting all the time you're not crumbling and and being crushed into the ground you're resisting that you're standing upright your spine as bipedal organisms we are we're upright our spine resists that compression. And so when you lose bone mass in your spine, um, that's where people can end up with fractures in their vertebra from mm. osteoporosis. So I think we all we we all have certain levels of homeostatic set points. It's gonna be different for everybody. And I think one really interesting facet of this is that because we're all adapted to gravity, astronauts lose bone mass in space. And so it's just something really interesting to think about because it's, it's, we don't even notice it, right? This is something that we just go about in our regular day to day. And um, it's, it's something that's just really, I mean, I just think it's so fascinating to, to be like, this is, yeah. <laughs> I, I Listen, can I just say, I watched this incredible show on Netflix. Everyone, please watch it. It's called Our Universe. Morgan Freeman narrates it. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. It contrasts how mysterious forces like gravity, it's quite a pretty mysterious force, shaped mm-hmm. our universe, particularly our planet. And mm-hmm. actually, you know, you're talking about how gravity has an influence on our bodies, like our bodies are what they are because of gravity. Our planet is beca- is what it is because <laughs> of gravity, including our moon and the gravitational force the moon exerts on the planet has given our planet the day length that we've mm-hmm. got. And I would, and I'm going off track massively, but my point is gravity is very cool. And gravity we should all cool. be taking a moment to say thank you, gravity, because you're actually keeping our bone mass to a certain degree. In fact, I guess just to go off topic slightly, one of the things that I noticed during COVID is I was not walking as much and I wasn't mm-hmm. vertical as much, I was sitting more. Mm-hmm. And those vertical forces actually are reduced when you're just sitting all the time and your Mm -hmm. bone mass obviously then obviously said principle and homeostatic set point that's when we start losing our bone mass as well when we're inactive yeah so it it it's been well studied in people that you lose bone mass um during bed rest during immobilization let's say you you have a cast um and paralysis. So there's a number of reasons that you would lose bone mass and actually bed rest is so detrimental. You lose about 1% per month, per month. So it's, it's something that I think is really important to just keep your body moving at the end of the day. Um, Obviously it would be great to um, increase the forces on your body progressively. So let's say um, in, in the original post that you had shared, you were doing deadlifts. That's a really great way to build new bone because your body is experiencing force throughout your 
your lower legs, through your spine. And, um, and it's heavy, it's heavy stuff, right? It's beyond body weight. And that's not to say that body weight can't be anabolic or, or add to bone. Um, it, it absolutely can. Um, but I think if you are, again, trying to push your body into this um, direction where you're really building a lot more or, or going beyond your, your homeostatic set point, then that's necessary. Okay. Cause actually one of the questions I had prepared for our interview, it's a little bit further down my list was, mm-hmm. you know, people who, who just do bodyweight training, you know, is that kind of the sum total of what you'd say? You'd say like, yeah, body train, bodyweight training is really good, especially if you were a couch potato before and you start doing a bit of walking, mm-hmm. then that's going to be good. And then beyond that, a bit of body weight, but then beyond that is, has to be picking up heavy stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I, that's, I also think that there's a really, there's a number of really great body weight things that can be done. So things that are more high impact. So stuff that requires jumping, when you Mm -hmm. land, your body is receiving more force, more input than, um, than if you were to do something low impact. Um, I understand that's not necessarily achievable for all people. Um, but if you can do low impact and lift heavier weights, um, the really interesting thing about, about, this is that when you, um, when you lift something up, so that's the force. So that's the actual load your body's receiving your bones perceive a strain. So this is the perception of the force is called strain and strain is not uniform across the entirety of the bone. So you're not going to build bone everywhere. You're going to build and reinforce areas that are experiencing high strain. And so Strain is also unique to individuals because it's something it's something that's intrinsic to the property of that bone. So if you already have high bone mass, then you're going to really require a lot more force to produce the same amount of strain as somebody who's having, let's say, lower bone mass. That same force is going to feel or be perceived as more by their bones. So the thing that I I kind of relate this to is picking up a a 20 pound dumbbell can feel quite easy for some people because their muscles are adapted to that and they're stronger. Whereas lifting a 20 pound dumbbell might be harder for someone else. Mm. So the, the, the strain ultimately is the thing that matters most. Um, and this is something that makes it really hard for us to build bone as we get older because the your bones when you're older don't perceive the same amount of strain under the same force as someone who's younger. Thanks for listening. That was part one of the show. Next week, I'll be releasing part two. Remember, if this episode was helpful at all, please do share, rate, and review.